This Cap Times podcast is brought to you by Exact Sciences Corporation, the makers of Colaguard. Learn more at exactsciences.com. Podcasting from my couch in this time of social distancing, I'm Jesse O'Poyan, and this is Wedge Issues, a Cap Times podcast about state government and politics in Wisconsin. It's a strange and scary time for all of us right now as the coronavirus spreads throughout the world and throughout the United States and throughout Wisconsin. We at the Cap Times have been practicing social distancing by working from home, and I'm doing so today by recording this podcast remotely with state government and politics reporter Brianna Riley. We've both been following what the state is doing to respond to this outbreak, and we'll talk all about that in this week's episode. Because we are recording remotely with suboptimal equipment, we did have a few technical difficulties, which we did our best to work through. So I really appreciate your patience. Let's get to it. Brianna, how are you holding up over there? Pretty good. As I was telling you before, I'm working from my boyfriend's mother's Fitchburg home. We needed a change of scenery today, so I've been, I have a nice office versus the coffee table I've been working out of in my very small apartment. So I'm feeling more productive already, you know? That's a plus. Uh, I don't think I left my couch yesterday, so I'm going to have to get a little bit better at this working from home and feeling like I'm in an office thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, so on a I don't know. It's hard to do anything but just try to find the dark humor in all of this because it's kind of kind of scary and heavy stuff. Um, while we're talking right now, it's Thursday morning. Um, there are more than 7,000 cases of coronavirus nationwide and more than 100 in Wisconsin. Um, there are more than 20 in Dane County, which is where we live and work and where our state government is located and centered. And that's the second most cases in the state. Thus far, the the state has done a lot to respond. Um, We've seen some pretty serious measures taken, like banning mass gatherings of more than 10 people, um, closing down bars and restaurants except for takeout, restricting childcare operations, and uh, closing public and private schools indefinitely. It's really, there's there's no life unaffected by this right now. Um, So we're going to start, I'm just going to play a little clip from Governor Tony Evers' radio address that he put out um, to kind of send a message to the public about this. We are seeing community spread of COVID-19 in Wisconsin. This means that there are people who have been tested positive, who have no exposures to a known case, nor did they travel to a location where there is a known community spread. Social distancing will help keep you, your family, and our community from increased risk of exposure. What we're saying here, folks, is simply this. Stay at home if you can. We need our health care workers, direct care workers, first responders, and service workers to stay healthy so that they can continue working to keep us all safe. This includes if you're an individual who is asymptomatic or has symptoms that do not require medical care. Generally, stay home and remain out of contact with others until you recover. With limited testing materials available nationwide, testing should be reserved for those who require hospitalization or are considered high risk. Your assistance and patience will be critical to protecting you, your family and friends, and our communities. 
Be kind to one another and support one another. We're in this together, Wisconsin. Thank you. So the governor has also taken some steps to address the economic impact of uh, all of these shutdowns and the really unprecedented measures that we're having to take. Um, and, and I know readers are interested in hearing about that. We've asked some of our readers to uh, give us some some questions, and this was definitely one that came up and one that I knew we'd talk about. So what is, what is the governor doing uh, to address the economic impact, maybe in particular looking at small businesses and hourly employees? Yeah, I mean, that's an incredibly important question right now. So um, Governor Evers did a lot this week. On Wednesday, for example, he requested loan assistance from the Federal Small Business Administration, and that would be for, for businesses and private nonprofit organizations across the state. Um, so under that program, applicants would be able to get up to $2 million per operation. Um, so we're still waiting on approval from, from the federal government on that as of Thursday morning, but that could come at any point. Um, also, at the at the state level, um, with the Wisconsin Economic Development Corporation, they created um, what they admitted is a pretty small drop in the bucket, but still, it's a $5 million program to help employers with payroll expenses and rent costs during this time. Um, the grants, though, are capped at $20,000 and would only be available to certain businesses, so there are pretty tight restrictions on that. But it's worth checking out um, for, for small business owners. Um, on the hourly employee side, we're seeing some action, too. Governor Evers has called on the legislature to repeal the state's one-week waiting period for those who have been laid off to collect unemployment benefits. So it's worth noting that this was um, this, this waiting period was first implemented in the 2011-2013 budget under um, complete Republican legislative control and um, Governor Scott Walker's first term in office. So um, Governor Evers had requested that this period be lifted in his own budget proposal last year, but that was rejected by Republicans. So we'll see if there's a there's been questions about whether um, it would be more palatable to suspend this waiting period or completely um, lift it indefinitely. But we'll see exactly where where we go in that direction. And then um, there are a couple other other resources for people. Um, the governor had issued an order on Wednesday modifying work and search requirements for those on unemployment that would help target the coronavirus's impact on the workforce. So the move would basically ensure that claimants who are otherwise eligible would be able to collect their benefits. And then, of course, always keep checking back with the Department of Workforce Development. Um, they have many of their job centers across the state open to help employers and those seeking work. Um, another question that we've gotten when we were looking for, you know, trying to figure out what, what the public wanted to know about this is um, there's a state law that preempts local municipalities from being able to enact stricter rules for landlords. Um, and this, I think, is coming up in, in particular um, as we look at evictions. And, um, you know, I think it's also worth pointing out that uh, the governor had uh, extended a, a, a moratorium on um, utilities being able to shut off service for non-payment. Um, and, and that's a help for people, but I think evictions are still something that, that comes up and... Um, that's something that maybe municipalities' hands are tied on a little bit. Is, is there any talk at the state level about um, making amendments to, to that law, or are, are we hearing about that on the local level at all? Yeah, actually, uh, Madison Mayor Satya Rhodes-Conway brought this up uh, in a tweet thread over the weekend. 
where she said, you know, she would enact a moratorium on evictions in a heartbeat if she was able to under state law. So I think that really helped draw attention to the fact that local leaders' hands are tied, you know, at at this point. Um, But she did, you know, for whatever it's worth, she did call on Madison landlords to suspend evictions and non-renewals for anyone impacted by the coronavirus. At the state level, it's really unclear if this is something that would be looked at. Governor Evers this week did say he wanted to work with legislative leaders on a package of bills to respond to the pandemic, but he hasn't provided details, many details at least, on what he wants to see from from legislation. Um, it is worth noting that he did have a uh, productive, quote-unquote, conversation with legislative leaders um, on Wednesday, and it looks like those conversations will continue about how to respond to coronavirus. So hopefully we'll see details um, in the coming hours or days about this. <laughs> yeah, I want to come back to, to that, that productive conversation in a little bit, because this is something kind of new in our capital. Um, but I also want to make sure we get to all the questions that we that we did get um, when we put out the call for readers. And, uh, you know, eviction is is an issue uh, that can potentially lead to homelessness. And we also have, uh, you know, a homeless population in the area that's trying to figure out how to deal with this on, on their own. Um, what do we know about community efforts to, to help our homeless population uh, get through this? Yeah, I really want to commend both of our local newspapers, the Cap Times, you know, um, and our reporter Nick Gowden, but also the State Journal for um, its work just this week on on the impact on um, organizers and the homeless themselves, as well as advocates for the homeless. Um, so Nick, in his story, in his Cap Time story, said that you know resources do exist, um, but they rely primarily on volunteers who are now being told to avoid the the kind of contact necessary to deliver the services that they do provide to the homeless population. Um, And and then Dean Moseman's story um, with the State Journal looked a little bit more at what organizers and local officials are trying to do to um, structurally assist this population. So they're looking at relocating elderly homeless individuals, um, and those with certain health conditions from shelters. So they're looking at, um, obviously there's been a uh, quite a few um, hotel and motel vacancies um, since the, you know, in light of the coronavirus and the subsequent cancellation of a, bu- of a bunch of events in the area. So they're looking at trying to get, you know, some rooms there and, and be able to sort of self, you know, quarantine individuals there or social I- isolate individuals there. But they're also looking for a bigger facility that could house um, more individuals and then just allow all volunteers to congregate in one in one location and serve the population. It's unclear what that facility would look like or what options are on the table at this point, but that is at least, you know, part of the realm of, realm of discussion as we're looking at vulnerable, vulnerable populations and um, how they're navigating this. This podcast is brought to you by Exact Sciences. Join the Madison-based team working to lead earlier cancer detection. Visit exactsciences.com to view the company's hundreds of open jobs. So in the back of everyone's minds, I think, or at least everyone in, involved in government right now, is the fact that we have an election coming up in less than a month on April 7th. It's the presidential primary. Uh, it's also the general election for the state Supreme Court. And there are a lot of local races on the ballot. 
what are we going to do? <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly uh, what elections officials and legislative leaders and Governor Tony Evers are trying to figure out right now. Um, Governor Evers has maintained, and I think Senator Fitzgerald has been pretty, pretty clear about this too, that the April 7th election, as of now, will go on as planned. Um, that's kind of a sentiment that was echoed at the State Elections Commission meeting on Wednesday from largely from Republican members of the of the committee. Um, but there is, you know, a lot of uncertainty um, surrounding it. For example, we just had, you know, people across the state are able to request absentee ballots and vote vote that way um, to sort of limit the their pos- potential exposure to coronavirus. Um, so we've seen a surge in ballot requests over the last few days. Um, but one of the things that we've run into already is that by by state statute, we've already um, hit the deadline for the people's ability to request those ballots um, or to to register to vote by um, by mail or online. People can still register in person um, at their local clerk's office, but we've heard about some complaints that it's unclear whether those hours will be limited or what's actually been communicated to people about the availability of doing so. Um, so there, that's a huge factor in this. We also have same-day registration at the polls that we have to factor into all this as well. And and that this is just assuming we still hold an in-person election, um, which, you know, could could be up in the air as we see other states kind of grappling with the same thing. Wisconsin is in a unique position, though, as you mentioned, because we have both the presidential primary and all of these state and local races on the ballots, too, um, that are essential to, in Governor Evers' words, like the functioning of democracy, right? If you don't have a mayor in this time of crisis, I mean... Who can you look to at, as a at your local level um, to kind of lead your community through that? So there's a lot, a lot of different factors here. As of now, the election is still on. There has been a lawsuit brought by um, the DNC and the Democratic Party in Wisconsin to sort of ease um, absentee voting and also suspend certain aspects of state elections laws. Um, but we'll see. We'll see where that goes. Yeah, it sounds like there are a lot of concerns on the Elections Commission and, and even from the chief elections official, Megan Wolf, in terms of just how it, how would that actually be implemented. And I don't know that anyone has any great answers right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so you mentioned earlier that Governor Evers and uh, legislative leaders, Senate Majority Leader Fitzgerald, Speaker Voss, are actually having conversations with each other regularly which is more than they've been doing for a lot of uh, the time that they've been uh, in this in this mode of shared uh, party government. Do we expect those conversations to keep happening? Have they kind of committed to that? And what does the legislature do going forward? How do they continue basic state government functions? Yeah, it's really it's it's hard to strike the right tone, you know, throughout this entire conversation with you, but just in general and talking about coronavirus because. When we look at you know the issue of interparty communication, we really haven't seen it in the last the last year and a quarter of divided government, right? But clearly, there, there it's a possibility that bipartisanship could emerge in the time of coronavirus, which is very exciting for all of us. But, um, <laughs> but like a small silver lining, right? Exactly. Yeah. You got to look at the upsides in these situations, and yeah. you know the the fact that. Um, Senate, Senate Majority Leader Scott Fitzgerald and Assembly Speaker Robin Voss on a joint statement yesterday, they're expecting 
daily conversations with the governor, I mean, that's that's a huge step from where we were um, this time last year when we were going into the state budget. So, you know, we're we're making progress on communicating. So that's great. Um, it's unclear. Again, it's it's all still so up in the air about what's going to happen in terms of a possible legislative fix. Senate Majority Leader Scott Fitzgerald has said he's kind of looking to Congress right now and seeing what what they pass. They're obviously looking at maybe sending checks to Americans to try to, you know, get people through this 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 short term, uh, through, through the short term. So then I guess the state would try to step in and, and fill in the blanks, you know, um, as, as they come up. So we could be in limbo for a little bit as we're waiting on Congress to act and then waiting for our state leaders to reach consensus. So one more thing I want to get to that's really not related to uh, state government necessarily, but it is um, filling in the gaps, like you said, and that's um, what community members have been doing on their own to um, help where they can. Um, and this is something that a lot of people have been asking about, asking for information about. And I think we're all as reporters and columnists trying to share that wherever we can. So um, you know, one person on Twitter asked me about mutual aid networks that are popping up. And I've noticed a few of those. I wrote a column um, that's on our website, captimes.com. Um, something about look for the helpers in the headline. I think look for the helpers in the coronavirus crisis. And I have links in that column to a lot of these services. There's a, a Google Doc and a spreadsheet out there that has, um, it's, it's really Madison-oriented, but trying to connect people with um, needs that they have and um, things that people are able to provide. Um, there are some Facebook groups like uh, Mutual Aid Madison and Dane County Neighbors Helping Neighbors. Um, there's also a, a spreadsheet called a virtual tip jar for um, Madison service employees. It's got their um, service industry employees. It's got their Venmo and PayPal handles um, for a lot of service industry workers who have temporarily lost work or have had their hours cut. So um, be on the lookout for that. I'm also interested in hearing um, from other people what resources are out there. And we're doing a lot of reporting on the, at the Cap Times on um, ways that people can help and ways that people are helping as much as we're able to, to find that information. Um, so Brianna, what are you watching for next in terms of um, news from the Capitol or updates from the governor's office? Yeah, I think um, at the, so the, it's, it seems that in some aspects, the private sector is a little bit ahead of the public sector in terms of its response to the coronavirus and in, in, in the regard of employees being able to work, work from home, um, businesses, you know, closing largely at the um, governor's mandate, but you know the state capital is still open. Um, state agencies have the ability to decide whether they want to allow employees to work from home. So it, it, kind of looking at the state side of this and at what points you know all of those dominoes will will start falling or continue falling. Um, and then also obviously just keeping an eye on DHS's response. We haven't even talked about um, testing difficulties that we're running into. Oh my gosh! But, yeah. That, that aspect is really, you know, concerning to a lot of people, um, elections related stuff, um, action from the federal level. It, it, there's just, there's no shortage of stories that, that are, you know, kind of coming, coming from this. Um, so we'll certainly be busy over the next few days and weeks. Yes. Um, and you can find all of our coverage at captimes.com. You can follow Brianna on Twitter at Brianna underscore Riley. Is that right? That's right. The underscore. <laughs> Good. <laughs> um, and one last question. What are you doing to stay sane while social distancing? 
Well, I downloaded Disney Plus finally so that I could watch <laughs> The Mandalorian. Um, so I need to get that all in in one week. So I have until Sunday, I believe, to finish that. And then I've also been binge watching The Simpsons because I grew up on that show yes. and I love it. And it's comforting in this time. But um, yeah, and then doing some cross stitch work. Um, that's about it. I'm trying to go on walks when I can, you know? <laughs> what about you? The pressure. Um, a lot a of the same kinds of things. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, Hildy needs walks, which gets me out of the house, which is good. Um, I'm trying to cook a lot, which yeah, I enjoy doing. And so much binge watching. Um, I'm also watching The Mandalorian and I've got my dad watching it too. So we had been watching it together, like whenever we were around each other, but now we're going to have to coordinate like a remote Mandalorian watching party. Baby Yoda is getting me through this, you know. Absolutely. We need Baby Yoda now more than ever. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm sure we'll be checking in um, probably like this a few more times in the next few weeks. Um, Thanks for making do with this weird technology and this weird weird world that we live in right now. Yeah. uh, Thanks so much for having me. (laughs) (laughs) We'll talk soon. Soft and sweet, just like the girls I like to meet. Thank you for listening to Wedge Issues. Our theme music is O Wisconsin by Loxley. We'll be back probably every Friday with new episodes, but things are pretty unpredictable in this time of social distancing and working from home, so um, we may go off schedule a little bit. I will try to update you as best as I can. If you have any feedback or suggestions for me, you can find me on Twitter at jessieopie, or you can email me at jopoyan at madison.com. I also highly recommend you check out our other Cap Times podcasts like The Corner Table, which is about food and drink in Madison, and The Mad Splainers, which has a ton of really useful information about local government and pretty much everything that's going on uh, in Madison and Dane County right now. Thanks again for listening. Stay safe, stay healthy, stay sane. We'll see you next time. This podcast has been brought to you by Exact Sciences Corporation, the makers of Colaguard. Once again, be sure to learn more at exactsciences.com.